1: Good afternoon, you're listening to MoneyFM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian with your market view. Well, let's talk about global mergers and acquisitions today. An analysis of M&A data by EY showed that M&A activity in the first half of this year has been resilient despite major geopolitical and financial headwinds. 2,274 deals with a total value of 2.02 trillion US dollars in the first half of this year alone. Now, while that may be a drop compared to the same time last year, activity is up by 35% in terms of value and 13% higher in terms of volume when you compare to the average of the last MA cycle. Beyond the numbers, eY analysis also showed the nature of cross-border deals changing to reflect geopolitical tensions on the world stage. To help us unpack all of EY's findings and the corresponding implications, we have Kalun Ma, CEO at EY Corporate Finance, joining us on the line. Hi, Kalun.
0: Hi, Tianjin. Good to meet with you. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Nice to meet you and great to have you on our show as well, Kalun. Maybe let's start with the global MA activity first. Coming off the spec-induced highs in the first half of last year, EY believes that. MA activity is going to go through a correction, right? But the performance remains strong nonetheless. So, what are the driving forces behind that strong performance?
0: I think MA always remains an important component of how businesses uh, look to grow. They are really building their capabilities and to retool their product offerings, right? Businesses always face challenges and their nature will change, but CEOs and managers are looking for growth amidst and even despite a difficult operating environment so MA will continue and um, you're right one thing we did notice is that the share of cross border deals amongst closely affiliated countries has increased it's gone up by 51% from 20, 2022 to an aver- from an average of 42% over the 2015 to 2019 I think what's happening is that as businesses continue to grow, um, the, you know, they, and they're looking for ways to grow, to retool um, and to dispose of maybe um, or operating entities that are not so relevant in a new world. Um, they will also look at how they can um, realign the supply chains and operations to, to friendlier shores.
1: Hmm. So, Kalun, uh, maybe take us through which are the markets that are most active this year and why so. I understand India and its tech sector make their list this year. So, tell us more about that.
0: India is a very interesting market. I mean, obviously, it's a huge market, um, a very large population. Um, we saw that India had an ex- a very active start to the year. Um, Its combined value of outbound, inbound, and domestic deals jumped to about $128 which was a very big increase compared to the last deal cycle. Um, India has probably got a few things going for it. It's probably a beneficiary of that uh, realignment of supply chains. In fact, people looking at building resilience in supply chains will start looking at, have been looking at India uh, as as, uh, an alternative solution. Many Indian companies themselves are seeing acquisition as a way of um, uh, repositioning themselves in the, the new normal, let's put it that way, post-pandemic. Um, they're trying to get ahead of disruption in a fast-paced market. Um, and to do this, they need to build scale. They will be looking for uh, businesses which, uh, where they can enter new geographies, the, perhaps they enter into new lines of business or even new distribution channels. We've also seen Indian conglomerates, for example, actually doing that, and uh, some of the largest Indian conglomerates are now trying to overhaul their portfolios through m perhaps pivoting to digitals, renewables, electric vehicles, and fintech, um, and you don't just buy, I mean, the other part of M&A is uh, disposal, so you, you're really... Um, maybe taking a, a legacy asset that's not so relevant, putting it, you know, uh, getting it out of your group because it's not relevant to your future strategy and, and uh, repurposing the group for the future.
1: Uh, Colin, two things that I want to follow up. One is that apart from India, which are the markets we should be looking at? Two is that you mentioned about disposal. So what kind of businesses do they usually dispose as they pivot for the long term?
0: I think, um, you know, uh, we... Typically, the kind of businesses that groups will uh, look at is it's about capital. I mean, from my my perspective as an advisor, it's about capital. And if you have a business in the long run where you are failing to see that you are able to generate positive returns, you're really, and and in a world now, perhaps where, uh, say, the buzzword is ESG. Right, And you have a, a mining business, not, not mentioning any names of your mining business, for example, and you fail to see how you're going to be able to repurpose that going forward, you might consider disposing of it now and looking at the rest of your portfolio to, to see how that, the funds are better deployed.
1: Mm, and Kaluna, I now want to zoom in on sector performance. Um, tech continues to be a key driver of M and A activity. To what extent is this driven by the pandemic?
0: That brings it very much closer to home with tech. You know, we all we've learned this space working from home, right? And um, and as part of the pandemic. Uh, you know, Zoom calls and uh, communication, virtual communication has become very much part of our lives. If you think about the growth in that, technology then has seen a great demand in investment for cloud-based services so we can talk to and communicate, we can store data more easily and share data more easily. And the flip side to that is that we've got to look after that data. So IT security, cybersecurity will become important and enterprise software to manage all of that. So we saw those things, uh, cloud-based services, IT security and enterprise software as being significant drivers for 2021. And we believe there's no reason why that would not continue going forward into 2022 and beyond.
1: And Kalun, perhaps more interestingly, from EY's report, the life sciences sector continues to underperform despite this recent health crisis. So, do we have any explanation for that?
0: A couple, I think. Uh, You you know, I think the idea for life sciences is that when you, when as we are emerging for the uh, from from the pandemic, um, you will be looking. Many investors, I I look at it with uh, investor lens investors are going to be reappraising how they can realise a reasonable or even super outsized return, right, based on the mm. dollar amount that they're spending. So if you think about that, life sciences has a, a maybe perhaps a longer term uh, process or timing before you can see a positive return. And the capital needs for life sciences may be higher as well. So as you emerge from the pandemic and you you have to take some uh, hard decisions as to... Where your 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 chips will will be placed, right? Um, so exiting quickly may not be optimal at this point in time, right? So that can be one reason why um, you might see underperformance. The other reason is probably that life sciences, by its very nature, because of its longer term investment cycle. Um, Two years over the pandemic is probably a bit too short <laughs> to make decisions about whether something is is performing or mm. not performing. Um, you know, you really need a longer lead time. But if you look at it at the recent lens, then yes, you know, that there, there is um there is a a possibility that most a lot of people will say, look, it's not really done as well as we would have expected. But that's to be that's to be um, the, the case. Yeah. Mm.
1: And if you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Kalun Ma, CEO at EY Corporate Finance. Kalun, what is the outlook for M&A activity for the second half of the year? I understand we continue to see a strong flow of private capital driving activity in this scene. So appreciate if you could share a little bit more with us.
0: Yes, we are We are actually very um, positive about the uh, the amount of private capital. Um, we we have seen a lot of activity from you know the various funds, including private equity, uh, in the market, and they have a significant amount of dry powder with you know um, funds which are available to be deployed. Now, I think you know there will be um, they will continue to look at um, uh, attractive targets. Um, the, they will just have, like everyone else, as a discerning investor, when they look at it, they will have to uh, perhaps be even more discerning going forward because um, you know, the, the, of the uncertainties that are faced. Uh, and very topical right now of, uh, is, is actually the potential increase in interest rates, which can affect returns. So you know, the, in the chosen sectors that uh, private capital or, say, private equity will be looking at, um, they will be having to to make a lot more um, uh, uh, a greater amount of assessment uh, as to uh, value creation and the amount of uh, uh, profits they can generate from investment before pulling the trigger and deploying the capital.
1: And talking about investors becoming more selective this year, is there any telling what sectors, industries, or perhaps the size of the companies they'll be targeting this year?
0: Yeah, um, I think. Um, whether you're a corporate or private equity, there are certain themes which, are, which look uh, quite positive uh, or interesting. We've, we've highlighted technology, the way we collaborate, the way we live with one another as an alternative to traveling, right? That is here to stay. Um, with an aging population and a growing population, perhaps you know healthcare and education themes will con- continue. And we think uh, consumer as well is, is an area of great interest. Um, I would also add in in the industrials and logistics sector simply because you know we've touched on how uh, enterprises are also looking at how best to uh, manufacture and serve their customers, but in a different way, uh, in an alternative supply chain or uh, alternative mode of of delivering their their products and services. So that would be uh, that would be another area of focus. Sizes will vary, uh, and sizes you know um will will it will vary from from you know as as long as investors change the sizes will change. So you can look at different small ones, smaller ones, which will be bolt-ons to add a capability that you don't have today to large networks. You say logistics, you're looking at a large platform player. Those will also be in in the mix.
1: Mm. And Kaluna, I have been saving this question for now. Speaking about deals and all cross-border deals, the nature is changing to reflect geopolitical tensions on the global stage. But what are the trends that you're seeing now based on that EY report?
0: Um, Yeah, so I think I think what people are looking at now is what's uh, 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 in terms of, if, you're, if I'm a, a business owner or an investor, what's the portfolio uh, or the, the mix of businesses and resources that I need to have that will get me uh, where I want to be, right? broadly speaking, in terms of objectives and capital, right? And in that alignment, when you talk about it, the, when you're looking at returns, say from an m and investor, you're looking at things where it is more predictable, there's a large market, and um, you, know, you will be able to, to see how that will be realized. Now, as I've said, I think in that area, the, the, the sectors that are of, of interest will be the things like healthcare, uh, technology, education, and industrials and logistics.
1: I understand the EY report mentioned something about deals flowing out of maybe US, China and all. Uh, would you be able to talk a little bit more about that?
0: Um, well, I think, you know, it wouldn't be appropriate for me to say uh, why things are being done that way. I think, um, you know, everybody will have to make a decision as to where the best alignment is going to be. All I can say is that certainly in Southeast Asia, um, we have seen and we are working with clients to address how, Week they can reposition or repurpose their business. If there is an alternative supply chain um, coming out of the US, for example, in Vietnam, um, there is a lot of interest in, in in actually setting up operations. And, you know, um, and if you're if you're looking to resite in Vietnam, then perhaps how someone in Singapore or Malaysia or Indonesia can actually work with an enterprise in Vietnam to take advantage of that. Mm.
1: And finally, Kalun, uh, what should investors, especially private equity investors, looking to cash out of their portfolio companies through m a activity, take note of, especially given all those global
0: uncertainties? You know, it, it, there, there are probably two things. One you can't control and one you can. The one you can't control is that you need luck. You need good fortune, right? <laughs> you need good fortune, you know, because it it plays a part in uh, when you exit and, and you, you need conducive market conditions. But I, maybe to uh, I'd like to focus a bit about what you ought to do, right? And if you're a private equity investor, uh, you you really are looking at, you need to have a view of a post-pandemic world, right? so. Um, things on things the way we did things 2 years ago is not the way we're going to do things now and it's certainly with given your your investment horizon with a, if you have a new fund it's not going to be the way you know in 5 years so you have to project what you think it's going to happen in the 5 years now having done that you with your 5 year investment horizon then as you look at targets and you look at the uh, I, how you deploy capital you're really looking at those players which will survive and thrive in this, your view of the future and how you can make an investment now to add resources to it, to retool, repurpose them, create value, right? Uh, We call it value creation and operational improvement uh, to bring you to a stage in in year five where they're able to, you know, um, seek new opportunities or be sold.
1: Mm. Thank you very much, Kalun. That was Kalun Ma, CEO at EY Corporate Finance. Thanks very much for joining us.
0: Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.